0: Hello and welcome to the Minimum Competence episode for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. I'm your host for today, Andrew Leahy, a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. In today's episode, we have Perkins-Coy sued over diversity initiatives, former head of J.P. Morgan's Precious Metals trading desk sentenced. West Virginia is denied cert in a CFPB case. Meta is in trouble in Norway and WGA strike updates. Let's strike while the news is hot and forge knowledge from today's legal news. On this day in legal history, August 23rd, 1927, Nicola Sacco and Bartolomeo Vanzetti were executed in the United States. They were Italian-born American anarchists who were controversially convicted of murdering a guard and a paymaster during an armed robbery in 1920. Their trial and execution sparked protests and debates about the justice system, immigration, and political radicalization. Even at the time, many were critical of the trial and its outcome, including Felix Frankfurter, who was at the time a professor at Harvard Law School and would go on to be appointed to the Supreme Court by Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The trial of the Italian anarchists continues to be a subject of interest and debate, particularly regarding their guilt in armed robbery and murder. They were accused of killing two men during a robbery at a shoe factory, but there was no solid evidence linking them to the crime. Their arrest and trial occurred during a period of intense social unrest in the U.S. known as the Red Scare, marked by anti-immigrant sentiment and a fear of radical ideologies. The trial was heavily influenced by their anarchist beliefs and immigrant background, leading to their conviction on July 14, 1921. The proceedings were considered unfair as the trial judge had sole authority over motions for a new trial and appellate rules limited review of evidence. Sacco and Vanzetti were executed on August 23, 1927, in a case that has since inspired various works of art and literature. The story serves as a reminder of the importance of a fair legal system and the dangers of prejudice and fear in the administration of justice. Edward Bloom's anti-affirmative action group, the American Allegiance for Equal Rights, has sued law firms Perkins Coy and Morrison Forrester, alleging that their diversity fellowships are unlawful following the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to overturn affirmative action. The suit claims that the firm's fellowships aimed at hiring diverse candidates are discriminatory. Perkins Coy has responded by affirming its commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion and has vowed to defend the lawsuit vigorously. Morrison Forster has not commented on the matter. The lawsuit follows the Supreme Court's ruling against Harvard and the University of North Carolina, in which affirmative action in admissions was overturned. Since then, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI hiring initiatives, have faced increased scrutiny, with warnings from Republican lawmakers that such initiatives may be illegal. Perkins Coy offers diversity fellowships for students from underrepresented backgrounds, including a $15,000 academic scholarship for first-year students and a $25,000 scholarship for second-year students. Morrison Forster has been sponsoring legal diversity scholarship programs since the 1980s providing $25,000 to students over two years. Similar programs are common in many large and mid-sized law firms. The American Bar Association is also reviewing the Supreme Court decision to ensure compliance while promoting diversity within the legal profession. The lawsuits against Perkins Coy and Morrison Forrester were filed in federal district courts in Dallas and Miami, respectively. This is part of Bloom's continuing campaign against affirmative action, which recently included a lawsuit against a venture capital fund for financing startups run by black women. The legal actions highlight the ongoing tension and debate surrounding affirmative action and diversity initiatives in the professional world. The former head of JP Morgan Chase & Co.'s Precious Metals Desk, Michael Nowak, and top trader Greg Smith were sentenced to prison for spoofing, fraud, and attempted market manipulation. Nowak received a one-year and one-day term, while Smith was given two years, marking the harshest sentence in recent government efforts against questionable trading practices. The judge emphasized the seriousness of the offense, stating that it undermined market integrity. The sentences were meant to send a message that market manipulation will be punished. Both men plan to appeal their convictions. The case is part of a broader crackdown on illegal spoofing, where traders place and quickly cancel bogus orders to manipulate prices. Smith and Nowak used this technique to manipulate gold and silver prices from 2008 to 2016. Convictions in this case follows a series of wins by prosecutors against some of Wall Street's biggest banks. In 2020, J.P. Morgan agreed to pay $920 million to settle related allegations, the largest fine for market manipulation since the 2008 financial crisis. Witnesses, including three former team members who pleaded guilty, testified against Nowak and Smith, describing how they placed huge orders they never intended to execute. Spoofing became illegal after the passage of the 2010 Dodd-Frank Act, and the J.P. Morgan case highlights the ongoing efforts by federal authorities to ensure compliance and maintain trust in the financial markets. The U.S. Supreme Court has denied a request from West Virginia and 26 other Republican attorneys general to challenge the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's funding mechanism at oral arguments this fall. The states had filed a petition in July arguing their expertise in consumer protection issues gave them insight into how an unbounded CFPB could damage consumer financial markets and impair states' abilities to regulate those markets. The Supreme Court denied the motion without explanation in line with its rare granting of such motions. The court is set to hear arguments on October 3rd in the CFPB's appeal to a ruling that declared the agency's funding unconstitutional. Meta Platforms, the owner of Facebook and Instagram, has been accused of breaking European data privacy rules in Norway, according to the country's data regulator, Data Tilsynet. The regulator has imposed a fine of 1 million crowns or 94,145 US dollars per day since August 14th for breaching users' privacy by harvesting data and using it for targeted advertising. Meta is seeking a temporary injunction against the order, arguing that it had committed to ask for user consent and that the regulator's process was unnecessary and rushed. If the European Data Protection Board agrees with the Norwegian regulator's decision, the fine could become permanent and have wider implications across Europe. Hollywood Studios and Streaming Services released a revised proposal to the striking Writers Guild of America, that's WGA, on Tuesday, but the union urged members to continue picketing, stating that the new offer failed to address all their concerns. The WGA, joined by members of the Screen Actors Guild, or SAG, had walked off the job on May 2nd, halting productions across Hollywood and costing the California economy billions of dollars. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, or AMPTP, changed its offer to include new details about compensation, minimum staffing, residual payments, and curbs on artificial intelligence. The latest proposal includes a compounded 13% pay increase over a three-year contract and stipulates that AI-generated content will not be considered literary material. Streaming platforms also offered to provide the WGA with confidential quarterly reports on the total number of hours viewed for each made for streaming show. AMPTP President Carol Lombardini expressed commitment to ending the strike and hopefulness that the WGA would work towards resolution. However, the WGA met with executives from Walt Disney, Warner Brothers, NBC Universal Studio Group, and Netflix to discuss the new offer and stated that the meeting was an attempt to make them cave. The union explained why the offer fell short and, quote, failed to sufficiently protect writers from the existential threats that caused us to strike in the first place. Despite this, the WGA plans to continue picketing and will share more details on the state of the negotiations with its members soon. And with that, I thank you so much for listening to Minimum Competence, your daily news podcast for lawyers. If you're looking for more than Minimum Competence, links to further reading on all the topics touched on today are in the show notes. If you have any questions or story suggestions, you can find us on Mastodon on the esq.social instance. i I'm at Andrew and my co-host Gina is at Gina. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and do not represent those of any organization we may be affiliated with. Nothing here should be construed as legal advice because it is not legal advice. Reviews go a long way towards helping new listeners to find our show. If you have a moment and can leave a rating or review on your podcast player, we'd sure appreciate it. And if you know someone that might be interested in the story we cover, consider sending them the episode. Minimum Competence is available at minimumcomp.com and wherever you get your finely crafted podcasts. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And until then, remember every task in life benefits from the addition of a nearby trash bag.